Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry Podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today we discuss the joys of teaching the Christian faith to youth. As a director of Christian education, I've been blessed to get to teach all ages in the congregation. Um, One of my favorite ages, which should be no surprise to anyone, is middle school and high school students. Um, So even when I was teaching uh, eighth grade religion, which I did several years at 830 in the morning, or uh, over-caffeinated, exhausted high school students in the middle of a a lock-in, I had, I've uh, always appreciated and loved being able to teach young people. And certainly there have been times where I've worked hard to prep a lesson. I have a great activity. Uh, I think I can connect all these pieces together. And I, I'm really excited to help connect young people to God's word. And it just flops. <laughs> no one's listening. I ask questions and it's just crickets. And I think every every teacher in any context, but particularly ones working with high schoolers have, have, have experienced that. Uh, and, and we know that God continues to work in a through his word um, and making sure uh, that even when we don't think the lesson totally hits home, uh, that he's working there. But there is so much joy when teens ask thoughtful questions, uh, when you see them start to really understand something about the gospel for the very first time, uh, when that those those wheels click into place. Uh, teaching young people is just a, an incredible joy. Uh, and it really is about helping them understand their baptismal identity, their vocation, and how God empowers them to be resilient which are all part of the seven practices of healthy youth ministry. Juliana, you're making me sweat there a little bit when thinking about that dead silence in the room when you thought you had the perfect question that was going to bring it home. I've been there. Um, Like you said, sometimes it just takes that time to process and uh, internalize and think about it. So yeah, I've been there for sure. Well, my teacher- Or sometimes your question doesn't even make sense. Right, right. right. And they're like, man, I don't even know what you just said. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my, my teaching experience with youth is a little more sporadic than yours, but I love the teaching side of things. I love the interaction. I love the discussion. And I love learning from the students as well. And I also, I, I learn so much from the preparation of the lessons. And I think that's one thing I love about the teaching side. And I'm so thankful too for how God has used teachers in my life to impact my walk with Jesus and for me with a Christian. So to get into it, a few episodes ago, we discussed developing a philosophy of Christian education and incorporating that ministry for all ages in your congregation. And the last episode, we developed, discussed developing a philosophy of youth ministry. And certainly, we hope that a key part of the why we do youth ministry is to teach the faith to middle school and high school students. Our guest for today writes in his chapter uh, of Connected for Life that the primary way in which God's grace is heard, read, and applied is in the teaching of faith to young people, and that teaching of faith is a primary thing that separates us from all other choices youth have with which to fill their time. Uh, We're just so pleased that uh, Brandon Metcalf is here uh, to join us. He is uh, a fantastic writer and speaker. (laughs) Uh, You can see him all over the youth e-source. Uh, with, um, right now, he serves as vicar at Zion Lutheran in Bethalto, Illinois. He's an MDiv student at uh, Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, Missouri. He's got a degree from Concordia University, Nebraska, and served as a director of Christian education in Missouri before entering the seminary. Uh, Brandon loves 
any chance to work with God's people to help them hold on to the promises of God, along with Connected for Life, Essential Guide for Youth Ministry, and the Youth Esource. He's contributing author to Word of Strength and Promise, Devotions for Youth, and has spoken at district and national youth gatherings. He enjoys frisbee, volleyball, board games, but his great choice comes from being a husband and father. Brandon, welcome to End Goals. We're excited for you to be here. Hey, thanks for having me. Great to see you guys. Yeah, so tell us a little more. Maybe people don't know what a vicar is uh, and about your other vocations and things that bring you joy. So a, a vicar uh, is means in place of. So I always joke that they get me in place of an actual pastor <laughs> and they're stuck with me. Um, no, it, it's a, a, a pastor kind of in training. It's the, the kind of middle uh, part of the seminary experience where you go. For me, it was going back out into a congregation. Uh, but in a you know pastoral sense, so I do uh, preaching, teaching, uh, visits, counseling, those kind of uh, roles, uh, which is is just a great joy uh, to be a part of. Um, other vocations, uh, I've uh, been married for six and a half years to my wife, uh, Dana. Uh, we have two kids, uh, Benjamin, who uh, is a little over four, year old, uh, four years old, and then our uh, daughter, uh, Lydia, who uh, is, is in heaven. Uh, and uh, things that bring me joy, well, the the, the kind of things I normally list, uh, frisbee, volleyball, and board games, haven't been able to do much of recently because <laughs> I was involved interacting with other humans. Uh, oh, no. I know. Uh, but, but Any, any new hobbies from pandemic? <laughs> um, it's more more uh, just two-player board games with, with my wife um, and, uh, you know, keeping uh, keeping things sane in the in the home. I've been trying to read a little bit more, but I've been tired enough that normally I only get a couple pages in. <laughs> well, thanks so much for uh, sharing that. And as a first-time guest, we would love to hear a little about your journey to servant leadership in the church. And specifically, what's a key moment from your youth where Jesus brought you closer to him or perhaps the church, a community of believers? So my uh, senior year of high school, uh, I remember when my pastor, Eric Gladhill, he was working with the, the youth group at the time, and uh, he asked me, leading into our, our annual fall retreat, he asked me if I would do one of the devotions. Mm. Uh, and, and I had been in leadership positions, had the opportunity to, you know, to do some speaking with, like, I did mock trial in high school, I did debate in middle school, whatever, but I'd never had a chance to do that in the church. Um, and uh, for me, that was a big moment. I, the devotion might have gone well, I don't really remember, but, but what I do remember was the, the encouragement and the invitation uh, to use gifts that I had illustrated or demonstrated other places to use those in the church. Um, and and he didn't push me at that point, hey, all right, you, you need to go to seminary, because uh, he, he knew from knowing me that I was not open to that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Even when I went to uh, to college, I was adamant I was not going into church work. Mm. Uh, and I would have more and more people that would say, you know, Bible study or whatever. Hey, are, are you pre-sem? And, and my response was always, just because I can speak in public and grow a beard does not mean I have to be a <laughs> But those are two key re- requirements. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so, I, I again, I, I was hesitant towards the, that specific calling. Um, and so instead of trying to, you know, give me a list of 10 reasons, hey, here's why you need to do this. Um, what what really impacted me was was 
you know, mentors throughout uh, my life cultivated my gifts. Um, and, and, and later the gifts led to the service opportunities. But I mean, the same gifts that, that were cultivated in leading devotions and doing Bible studies and, um, you know, mentoring younger, younger youth in my youth group, uh, those, you know, can be used in any number of ways, uh, whether or not I, even if I didn't go into church work, those are all gifts that I would have continued to use to serve the church. Um, and, and so that that's, uh, I think, as, as I look back on it, probably the, the most uh, impactful thing was just the people that God placed in my life, the youth leaders, whether they were on staff or volunteer, uh, that really looked at me and the other kids in our youth group and said, all right, here's a gift. How can we help you to, to use that uh, in in the church? And uh, most of the, my, my classmates that got plugged in, they're still using those gifts in wow. the church in various ways. That's great. That's great. Love, love to have churches that invest in young people that way. Mm-hmm. Well, and so key just to give you those glimpses of opportunity and, and it might not have led to church work. We're very glad that it did, but, mm-hmm. but just to know that you could be lifted up into leadership and it only takes one or two invitations just to kind of get somebody. Uh, often I think, uh, for this generation, lots of them are in leadership in other places. Like, how are we yeah. bundling that into um, identifying those gifts and skills that can be used in the church as well? So in your chapter in Connected for Life, you focus on teaching the faith to young people and you share a question that changed your way of viewing youth ministry. Tell us about that question and how it changed your ministry. So here's the, the question um, is, how is a senior different from a seventh grader, and how are we going to get them there? Um, or a, another way to, to ask that is to look at what about the grade 13? What about the 13th grade? Uh, which for most kids is after high school, uh, you know, in, in whether it's college, whether it's the workforce, whether it's military, something comes after the traditional youth group time. Um, and so it was, I was a couple of years into ministry and really thinking I, I had a, we had graduated a couple really big classes, uh, really active. And so we were kind of had to restart just because of the way numbers worked out um, in church membership and whatever. So, all right, we have this chance. What are we building towards? Um, and, and how do I raise up this next, you know, I, in youth ministry, generations tends to be like four years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, versus, I mean, when you look... Normally, it's like 20 to 25, but youth minister generation is a class of four years in high school. Uh, So the next generation, you know, was 12 instead of 16. But, uh, you know, what are we doing to prepare them to be uh, not just the leaders in the youth group, um, but to be leaders in the church after they leave youth group? Um, And it's one of the unique challenges of youth ministry uh, because you're it seems like you're always starting over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you invest so much in in one class, one, and then they graduate and they they're not part of the youth group anymore. They do something else. They serve in other ways. So um, we're, we're investing not for the sake of, of us, but for the sake of the greater church. Uh, and because often, depending on, on where you're serving, oftentimes they don't even they might move and they're then a part of another church. Uh, right. It's not like well they'll come back here and then they can help me with youth group. That is great when it happens, uh, but oftentimes I'm training someone else's maybe youth leader or youth volunteer 10 years down the road um, and and thinking intentionally, uh, 
I don't want kids to just come here and, well, I was at youth group for four years, um, but what are they being shaped and formed into? I mean, it's the, the name of the podcast, your end goals of starting at where do we want them to be and how do I kind of get there, you know, step by step looking at um, what am I doing freshman year that's going to help them? What am I doing junior year? And, and maybe how am I differentiating that a little bit, uh, you know, because they're in a different stage. Um, but but thinking intentionally versus while they're here, the kids showed up. That's good enough. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. There is a really a constant cultivation, identification and cultivation that happens in youth ministry that maybe isn't always true of other kinds of ministry, maybe children's mm-hmm. ministry. But when you're working with adults, often you're you know, you have a very consistent group, but definitely in youth ministry. Uh, you're you're constantly having to think about who's coming up next and and mm-hmm. how you're progressing people through and then ultimately you know lots of times uh, they're ending up in other churches so that's that's a a process that we always are are going to be in no matter what we do hopefully yeah, yeah I, I appreciate how it, um, yeah I think like you said I think sometimes churches can get focused on just the high school unit, youth ministry that's before them the numbers that type of stuff and. I think this takes a focus and to look at them as individuals, baptized mm-hmm. Christians, how are we supporting them for a lifetime? And that we, we get blessed to be the place where we, we maybe planted the seed or we watered the seed um, mm-hmm. and it's to grow someplace else. We get to give that foundation and it helps give that vision. And I appreciate it too. And we had, we had Dr. Reader on earlier, just talking about Christian philosophy or Christian education in general. And it's got to help, I think, talk in the larger church and the place about how are we thinking kind of cradle till adulthood. And so in terms of how we're teaching yeah. that faith and, for those that have the book or get the book, you've got a nice kind of just diagrams and stuff like how you thought that through, but really appreciated how I'm sure that started conversations about how are we repeating some lessons over and over again, but also mm-hmm. teaching the faith as they grow too. Yeah. Yeah. That's it, it, a really good point about, you know, when you look kind of the scope and sequence is the fancy term for it, but yeah. uh, we can look at and say, well, we, we taught prayer once. Uh, and so they should know how to pray. Well, <laughs> Especially with youth ministry, maybe I had a football game that night and half my kids weren't there. Yeah, um, so right. what? What's their? How am I getting them caught up? How am I getting them? Uh, and it, it it's individualized and and really cultivating that that person, mm-hmm. um, you know, in their in their gifts and uh, you know, developing uh, you know each each individual as as we look at um, where their gifts, where are they at? Because maybe they're in. You know, sophomore year, but in terms of, of a couple of different discipleship areas, maybe they're a little behind or a little ahead, and and you know, so adjusting. But but really, where does youth ministry fit in the greater scope of your church's discipleship? I think that's the question that most most youth leaders we're too busy to ask that. Right. Like I, like I'm just I'm trying to figure out how I can and survive the next you know lesson. What am I doing? And and so. It's a benefit to to take a season, take a moment to pause and say, all right, as a church, how are we discipling people? Um, and I think it starts with how are what do we want a Christian adult to look like? Yeah. Um, what do we want all of our members to be? And then as youth ministry, I plug into that by saying, OK, this is what our church has said. An adult disciple active growing in their faith looks like. All right. So our goal for youth ministry is we're going to churn out people that fit that description mm-hmm. um, and they're going to look different and they're going to maybe serve differently. but um, in these two years, four years, six years, whatever we have, um, our our end goal is to just to be producing people that are fitting our congregation's mission statement of adult discipleship. Um, and, and we're going to walk with them the whole way. And if it takes 10 years, 15 years, that's fine. You know, 
Um, but but having that, that that kind of launching point where you leave youth group and now you're ready to be an adult Christian uh, versus well now where do I go? So so in that I want to spend a little bit more time because I think it was a good point of your book to like give you another filter to think through. You mentioned it real quickly, but you talk about that goal of preparing youth for that 13th year. Tell us a little bit more about how your youth ministry reflected that concept. Uh, so I, I'm r- reminded of the the phrase that I, I don't think existed. Now I'm going to sound old. Well, didn't exist when I was growing up, uh, <laughs> but, but, but is reality. Adulting yeah. um, has become really kind of a buzzword the last couple of years where I'm learning how to be an adult. And so what, what people are looking for is, all right, how do I do adult things? How do I change a tire? How do I balance a yeah. budget? Um, and, and so what, what schools, what ministers are realizing is we need to actually teach these skills so that they can be adults. Um, and I, so I think if we thinking about the thir- 13th grade uh, means thinking spiritually, thinking in terms of the church, what is it? What does adulting look like in the church? Um, you know, what, what habits does it look like? What uh, what practices, what what beliefs, uh, what convictions? Um, and, and then, again, working kind of our way backward and recognizing that all those have to be taught. They have to be modeled. They have to be worked through. Um, yeah, you can go on YouTube to find a video of how to change a tire, um, but you're not going to go on YouTube and find a, a five-minute video of some guy saying, all right, here's step one on how to raise your kids in the faith. Um, that takes a much longer mm-hmm. <laughs> process. and. Um, and they're not just going to stumble into it. It's being intentional. Uh, and I think part of the, the intentionality is uh, on not always focusing on having something new for the mm. youth, yeah. but but building in times of repetition and building in key themes uh, that you're going to dig into. So, for example, in, in my youth ministry, our, one of the themes that we hit all over the place, we hit identity and the way we did that. Uh, was the, the phrase worth dying for, uh, which which was rooted in the cross that because Christ died uh, for, you know, for my youth, uh, they knew who they were. They knew where their value came from. They knew their identity. They knew they were forgiven. Uh, and so as we loop back to that through everything else, they might not remember the specific thing we talked about, uh, you know, on a certain day. But uh, if they knew the identity, if they knew who they were, uh, that's going to carry a lot more weight than the individual lesson. Um, and so maybe it's not about coming with, well, what's what's a new topic I can do? What's a you know the, the newest greatest thing? Uh, what are the things that are, that really matter, and how can I reinforce those um, every year? Because especially with youth ministry, uh, your your curriculum doesn't even have to change, but your kids change every year. Right. Um, and so if, if I talk about, for example, you know, I did, uh, we would do a series in January, February on dating every year. Um, that's going to sound differently to a junior uh, than it is to a freshman. And, and so if, if I have that freshman that sticks with me all four years and they hear, yeah, I'm going to package the series a little differently each year, but they hear the same themes, the same identity stuff each year, by the time they get out, uh, Hopefully they've started to take ownership of that and not just me, you know, interacting and telling them, but, but them saying, yeah, that is right. You know, and uh, if I get to the point where the kids know the answers before I, I say it, maybe that's a good thing right. <laughs> because it means that, that they're learning and they're understanding. Um, and and I, I, I've become less impressed in my own abilities to realize they're not going to get it the first time. <laughs> uh, none of us are that good. Uh, so it's okay to repeat and to dig in, to go deeper, uh, and rather than assuming, well, they heard it once, they're not going to want to hear it again. Well, 
they've changed since then. So maybe they need to hear it again uh, and it'll hit them in a different way. Well, and like you said earlier, you, I, I want my 12th grader to have a 12th grader understanding mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of something like prayer. Um, I don't want to teach it once in confirmation and then go like, okay, well, they understand it now because then my 12th grader has an 8th grade understanding of prayer, Yeah. right? Uh, it's yeah, got to yeah. progress with them as they get older and, and be developmentally appropriate for where where they're thinking and, and um, learning, uh, and youth workers have access to many different Bible studies and teaching resources online and print. Uh, here's where we do the advertisement for Youth Esource, our resource <laughs> website, uh, where you can get uh, free resources that are all doctrinally reviewed. But, um, but, but truly, like lay leaders and professional youth workers want resources and studies that give youth uh, truth from God's word and provide wisdom at a level that they can understand and internalize. Uh, in your chapter, you provide an evaluation tool for looking at curriculum and resources. Wendy, what are some uh, one or two pieces of advice you would give to our audience, particularly those who maybe don't have theological training, uh, for how they might choose curriculum and what they're going to talk about in their youth ministry? Uh, so I, I, again, I think kind of narrowing it down to, to the, the two main questions to ask, I think first is, is it, is it credible or faithful? Um, you know, and that can be kind of narrowed down to, can you take Jesus out of the study and it still makes sense? Uh, can you put in someone else's name? Hey, you know, if you put in Steve instead of Jesus, does the, does the study still hold up? Um, some of those kind of, kind of things are really helpful in, in saying, where is it pointing our focus? Where is it pointing our hope? Uh, and if I, if I say, yeah, this is faithful, this is, is helpful. Uh, the follow-up question then is not just, is it, you know, is it in line with what scripture teaches, but is it beneficial to my, my youth? Uh, cause maybe it's, it's a great study, but it's a great study for seniors. And so don't teach it to your seventh graders. Um, mm. is it beneficial where, uh, it, it's great content, but, um, it's not going to engage kids on Zoom, but maybe I'll save it for when we're in person uh, or, or vice versa. Maybe uh, maybe it's a 45 minute study and I need to say, realistically, I've got 20 minutes. So I'm going to take uh, these couple questions out and I'm going to I'm going to uh, you know, focus on, on this area. Uh, so is it faithful and is it beneficial? Uh, and kind of if it's not faithful, then don't use it. But if it is faithful, then you kind of move to the next category. Um, is it actually beneficial uh, to our kids where they're at? Uh, you know, to, and, and just because I use something with a previous group, and this is the great thing about youth ministry, I had something that, that worked really great a couple of years ago. I used a video like three years in a row, and then I tried it with a different youth group in a different setting. And they, they didn't get it at all. <laughs> nope. Uh, it's so, it's so like, frustrating. <laughs> Like, well, that's perfect. Uh, you know, so then you're kind of go to things. And that's why it's it's really important to be connected to, to community. You know, I mean, to be throwing a question out on the, you know, some the, the, the NADCE board or the LCMS Youth Ministry. Say, hey, uh, what do you think about this? Because, uh, again, we're, we're all, uh, you know, trying similar things. And so the more we can we can share and, hey, this worked for my group doesn't necessarily mean it'll work for every group. But uh, don't, don't be afraid to, to ask. Uh, for for help in in any of these areas. And if you're a lay leader, I would say like, don't be afraid to ask uh, your pastor to look over things. Mm -hmm. Like if you are maybe trying to, trying to settle, you know, a topic and you think there's a couple different options, um, 
and you're or you're not confident in being able to assess curriculum, find somebody who is who can be helpful in that. um, Because uh, you do really want to ensure, you know, certainly there are places where we know things have been doctrinal reviewed, eSource, Concordia Publishing House, uh, great partners to be able to do that. But uh, but if you know you're just pulling something off the internet, it, it's always okay to to double check those things and and to be uh, willing to to switch things up. Uh, that's uh, both frustrating and important. <laughs> yeah. I, I just had a classmate uh, today uh, that that like two hours ago that asked me, "Hey, I, I'm last minute. I'm teaching." Uh, a confirmation lesson uh, tomorrow uh, that I didn't know about because uh, a staffing change. Uh, someone else, whoever's supposed to teach it, wasn't available, and so they hey, it used to be a DCE. Do you have anything? <laughs> and sure enough, I had you know I had things. So again, it, it's about reaching out and, and yeah. uh, finding the right resources, and the resources are definitely out out there. Um, you can help yourself better if you have some more time versus, mm-hmm. uh, hey, I'm teaching in an hour. Anyone have anything? Or, you know, hey, I'm looking towards towards February and we've got a couple weeks or what. You know, you can put yourself in a better place to find resources. Uh, but even the last minute stuff, it's worth worth reaching out. So that preparation can be so important in finding those resources. <laughs> and that's one thing I mean, I know with the source, we want to make something available. So there is a trusting place. So when you do get maybe stuck into those, I need something yeah. tomorrow or whatever, that it's there to hopefully yeah. be able to continue to teach the faith in that way. Yeah. It is. Um, and I, it's amazing to me. Like we talk about teaching the faith, right. And um, you talk about different youth groups, but also like I'm different as a teacher every time I teach something, mm-hmm. right? right? So if I'm constantly in God's word, every time I come back to a topic, I'm bringing a different nuance to it. I'm bringing a different level of energy with it. Um, I've had times where I've taught the same lesson. And as I'm teaching it, I can see like the variation that I'm throwing in there because of my response to the students or something that I've learned in my own studies in between those times. So uh, not only are your students changing, but you're changing as well. And, and uh, your competency as a teacher is changing as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that that's excellent that you're changing because the the best way to, to to teach anyone else is to be in the word yourself. And I I just did a a series on, uh, family devotions at our church here. And uh, one of the, the main things I was teaching about is if you don't know what to, you know, what to talk about with your family, with your spouse, with whoever it is, the chances are whatever God's teaching you is what he's preparing you to teach someone else. Um, and, and so again, that, that changes depending on, on your season of life. But, but there's all these kind of, if you're like, well, that really impacted me, then share it with your youth group and, and, See if it and and invite them to do the same. You know, if hey, what's God teaching you guys uh, in your school or in your you know as you're going through? And you know, if nothing else, last minute that actually could be your best lesson, uh, and it's not even in your curriculum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, one of my favorite teaching moments is I, I ended up in a situation where I was observing somebody teach a, a Bible study that I wrote, and I interjected something with such. Uh, <laughs> enthusiasm because I was so nerded out about this particular Bible study and I had done so much research. They stopped me afterwards and they were like, did you write this? And I was like, hmm, like I should, hopefully you should be able to spot that. Uh, but truly like you get like, like when you are in studying those things, you get filled up to the way in a yeah. way that comes out as you're teaching it. 
So as, as, as I was flipping through this chapter in preparation for our, our time today, I was struck by one of the headers. Now, re- remind remind everyone here that you had written this a couple of years ago, but the header yeah. in your chapter was connecting with youth when they aren't there. And I thought, how in the world <laughs> did Brandon know to write a section about teaching the faith in the time of a pandemic and over <laughs> Zoom and all this kind of stuff that was going on? Like, man, you were amazing to be thinking that through. Well, the section isn't exactly about that. The section uh, is a nice way to look about how we can uh, maybe increase the impact of our teaching and connection with young people through our teaching, but very much was still in the context of being together, be able to do that probably in more traditional teaching ways that we're used to. But I want to take a moment just to kind of go away from that topic a little bit and just see in your experience as a vicar, what you're seeing maybe from some of your friends, uh, what you just see as you look at teaching the faith in general. Mm-hmm. Um, reflect on on what you've experienced or maybe been processing in this pandemic and teaching the faith. What challenges have you seen from the pandemic and creating uh, that opportunity to teach? Um, and what do you think maybe some of the lasting effects from those challenges, but also maybe a little bit about the skills you developed or tools mm-hmm. utilized that might help you teach the faith and not just in the pandemic, but what are some things churches could be thinking about going into the future that said, Hey, this isn't something we want to take away from our repertoire of tools, but it actually worked effectively I'm um, just, I don't know if you got any reflections about that or things you experienced. Yeah. 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 It, it's always interesting when, you know, I was flipping back through the chapter because it was, it was four or five years ago that I wrote it. And, you know, again, I'm different. The situation is different. <laughs> so the, you look back and you're like, man, I don't even remember writing some of this stuff, but uh, like the, the, the Titanic rule is, is my, my way of, of addressing it. So it's from the, the phrase from the, the song in Titanic, near, far, wherever you are. Uh, and, and that's kind of the, the three application points uh, for, for teaching the faith. So uh, how do they apply it near? How do they apply it far? How do they apply it wherever, so wherever they are? Uh, and, and kind of reflecting in light of, of the, the you know, more distance teaching in light of all that, I think uh, the, the, those uh, application points are still there mm-hmm. um, but but maybe the way we do them I think the way I've done them recently is different mm-hmm. uh, so for example that in near you're looking to apply it in in the in the room whether it's youth group confirmation Bible study whatever how does this apply among our our group here and um, I've had to, to kind of develop a different toolbox for how do I engage uh, how do I interact with you know, with my my uh, my group here, um, in ways that keeps the, keep them physically distant. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because be, before, I mean, I, I thrived when I taught on small group interaction. Uh, hey, find two people around you, talk about this, and then come back to the group. Uh, those kind of, I mean, most of what I did in teaching was, you know, involved either moving geographically to different small groups or, or clustering with a person next to you and, and discussing something. Uh, and so all of a sudden, like, all right, all the stuff that I used to do to, to apply stuff, you know, near um, no longer worked. Uh, and so I had to kind of reach into the bag and figure out all right, what else can I do? Uh, and so one of the things that, that I know I'm going to continue going forward is for each lesson that I I do, uh, kinda, as I'm writing out the plan at the bottom, I keep a list of uh, what ways am I interacting with the with the youth, with the students in this lesson. Uh, for, so for example, like for confirmation, uh, right, I've got, I've got a couple fill in the blanks. I've got, uh, an icebreaker question. I have a video that we're going to discuss. Um, one of the things that I've started doing recently is I'll take a, a song, 
I'll print out the lyrics and, and we'll, we'll actually listen to the song together and I'll say, Hey, and it's a song that fits in, you know, with, with whatever the topic is and pick, pick, uh, as we're going, as we're listening to the song, highlight two sections of this song that stand out to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and cause some, some kids are really musically inclined. And so that's really connected with them. Uh, you know, for others, it's, if they're a little more, uh, analytical, uh, I've done true false fix, uh, where it's true false statement. If the statement's false, fix it so that it's true. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so just looking adding more of those things to the toolbox and saying, okay, at the end of each lesson, I've got to have at least four or five ways that the kids are getting, being engaged with the material. Um, So it's not just while they're listening to me and they're filling in blanks. Okay. You know, how, how else can we, can we do that? And uh, that's something for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to carry forward uh, with me uh, in in that, that kind of near setting of uh, finding ways to engage and interact. Um, for the, the FAR, which is, all right, what are they taking with them to go home, to go to practice, to go to work, uh, you know, if they're, they're older, obviously. Um, and, and I think something that, that's really been cultivated in, in the last year is uh, the willingness for people to listen to a podcast, mm. uh, to, to watch a, a video, uh, to do, you know, something like that. Um, as a supplement for people that can't be there. Um, we do a Facebook Live Bible study here. And the nice thing about that is is the recordings available for people that can't join us live. Right. Um, and, and so we've seen people engage in, in study with us that couldn't make the actual meeting. And I think that's something even all right, as a youth group, um, is there something that I can take and record so that other kids can can hear it later or their, their parents? I mean, we, again, not that we were on the cutting edge of, of much of anything uh, uh, b- back when I was, I was serving full time in youth ministry. But uh, I, I did. I, I recorded our we had about a 10, 15 minute teaching kind of message each week. And I did record that and put it on a podcast. Uh, and, and I would have a couple kids that if they weren't there, they would listen to it. Um, and one of them that her and her mom would listen to it in the car every week. Awesome. Um, and, and, and we engage in conversations. And I think, I mean, that was seven years ago when we, when we did that. And now people are a lot more open to doing that. Yeah. Uh, so I would say anything that you can do that you can record, that you can summarize and throw on Instagram or uh, record and put on a podcast uh, to, to let people carry, maybe it's not the whole thing. Maybe you just summarize the one point that you want them to get. And that's what you put out afterwards uh, every week. But but to find connecting ways to connect with people that can't be there. Um, Cause you're always going to have kids that can't be there. Even when there's not a pandemic, you're going to have sports and activities and um, you know, how am I engaging with, with someone that can't be there? Um, you know, and, and applying what we talked about to, to everyone in the group. Um, and the, the, the last one is, so it's near far and then wherever you are and the, wherever you are really uh the way I see it now is, is identity. Um, how does what we're talking about link to their identity in Christ? Uh, Cause at the end of the day, that's the thing that's going to, that's going to carry them through. Uh, that's going to, going to be the, the place where, where they're able to answer questions that we don't even know to ask now. Um, but if, if they know who they are, they know whose they are. And so every single time that, that I meet with youth, uh, my goal is to, to make sure they know who they are. Um, and I, I used to do that. I would always have like one or two series each each year that do an identity. But now it's anytime I meet with kids, 
anytime I'm talking to young people, I'm talking about identity. Uh, because in, in our world, we, we equate identity with, with vocation. We would mix the two. Uh, so if you ask someone, what do they want to be when they grow up? They say, well, I'm going to go be a nurse. I'm going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's what you're going to do. What you're going to be is I'm going to be a, a child of God. I'm going to be forgiven. I'm going to be, you know, uh, your identity comes from God, your vocation, what you do is different. Um, and, and a lot of, I mean, adults, but especially young people, what, what I do is so different. I don't get to do sports. I don't get to do interactions with friends. And so they're not just wondering what to do. They're wondering who they are. Okay. Uh, and so we need to lean into that in this, in this time and beyond that. Uh, and really, uh, you know, wherever they are, that they know who they are, they know whose they are. Uh, and, and you can never say that enough in, especially in youth ministry. I'd love to see the creativity that churches maybe were forced into, but yet that they embraced it, whether that's around uh, worship, whether that's around teaching, um, just I think some exciting things to see how God has worked through his gift of technology to be able to jump into that kind of area where we can get, again, gospel-centered messages, where we can get connection, where we can uh, share the truth of, of God's word in that, which has been really good. And I think another thing, you kind of touched on this. I, I'm curious going forward, too. Um, I like how you were thinking about we might do kind of maybe metrics differently a little bit, mm-hmm. that I think there was so much about you know, youth need to be here for this moment. And they're just, they're going to miss stuff. I mean, adults miss stuff. I mean, they're, they're just, things are going to happen. There's sickness, there's other stuff. And I think that's given us a new framework a little bit to say, boy, if we just change maybe our attitude a little bit about getting the gospel into their hands, getting God's word into their hands, the difference that that can make. And that because we care for them, we're going to reach and find these ways to make this happen. And I don't mean to sound that that's simple or it's not extra work, mm-hmm. but I, I've seen some kind of youth workers think that way too about, oh, we can do this. Um, and boy, how does that show care when we say um, it's not so much about being in the room, but things come up or there's life diff- life situations to where, man, now we can do this little extra thing that enables it to get in the hands. And boy, the response that you can sometimes get uh, when God's word is at work. You've mentioned it a couple of times, that Bible study worth dying for. You actually wrote up for us on the e-source. We will link to it in the show notes. Um, but we're also so grateful that you were able uh, to come and share your passion for teaching young people about the word of God, uh, for sharing your insights, both uh, that you have in this chapter. We hope people are reading the book um, and that this is a helpful uh, encouragement to do that, um, but also to, to check out uh you know, the other things that you've written uh, that are all super helpful um, and great takeaways. So uh, we're, we hope that you have a blessed rest of your vicarage as you continue your studies and ministry. Yeah, thank you. In our last episode, Dr. Heath Lewis introduced the concept that our youth ministry philosophy is our playbook for ministry to young people. And today we talked about the foundational play of any healthy youth ministry, and that's teaching the faith to young people. What a blessing it is to take truth and wisdom of God's word and teach it to God's beloved children. If you are looking for a tool to help with enhancing your teaching of youth, check out Connected for Life, Essential Guide to Youth Ministry. Brandon's chapter asks questions around these questions we've been asking in other uh, podcasts recently, the why, the what, and the how we teach, and also tips that we didn't even touch on in the podcast about learning environments and also evaluation of your teaching. And we are thankful for Brandon's contribution and resources as he continues to provide them on the eSource and CPH and other places. So some closing questions for you to consider. Uh, First, have you evaluated teaching curriculum in your middle and high school? If so, 
how has that benefited your discipleship ministry? And if not, how might that process of conversation and looking through and evaluating that curriculum raise the bar for your teaching ministries? When we think about middle school, we, we think about confirmation maybe a lot and that natural connection is, but when you consider your high school youth ministry or things outside of confirmation, what percentage of resources are spent on teaching the faith? If you're talking about time, how much preparation is put into lessons? How much time is spent into curriculum review and planning? If we're talking financial, how much money is invested in resources and trainings? And do these percentages reflect that teaching the faith is important in your youth ministry philosophy? And then finally, how are you teaching different topics at different times at different levels over the course of many years in order to help develop the adult disciples you want to see your young people become? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you respond to God's command to teach his disciples and observe all that he commanded. Teaching is hard work. It's a lot of time and effort, but it is so rewarding. And we hope that in this chapter and in this podcast, we'll help you keep that end goal and focus that your youth will remain disciples of Jesus Christ for a lifetime and grow in their understanding of his grace. So thank you for taking up that challenge for your young people and providing a foundation for the future teachers of the faith. End Goals Podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.